Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Hello, hello. Welcome to Episode 8, Kindness in Relationships. I'm so excited about today because we're going to take a look at kindness as it takes place between people we love so much and also the ones that we have trouble loving so much. We're going to talk about how to choose kindness during conflict in some ways perhaps maybe you don't normally consider, as well as some ways you can help your children choose kindness when they're having conflicts as well. What kind of situations are we going to talk about today? Well, how about two cranky kids, a difficult, exhausting child, and perhaps an annoying spouse to round out our discussion? That sounds fun, right? Well, I think you'll enjoy it. We're going to discover some helpful tips along the way for how to practically apply kindness to each of these types of situations. And I think you'll find it's easier than you think. So sit back and relax, maybe take a few notes, but let's talk about the first situation. Number one, the two loud, rambunctious, ornery, grouchy, whiny kids fighting with each other. I think you probably know the type and maybe you've heard things like, I did not. You did too. Well, you did it first. Well, you were just being mean. Well, you're on my side of the line. Well, that's because you were being a stupid head. Well, you just never want me to win. You just, right. You, you all understand how this happens and it can drive us nuts, right? Two children not getting along and really accusing each other of, Things like being mean. Well, kindness key number one is declaring that they're being mean is assigning motive. It's better to talk about what they did, not what we think they were doing, what they were thinking when they did it. So we're really trying to get away from assigning motive. And this was a key for my kids when and still is today that we listen for that being mean. My son just used it last night. Ah, she was being mean. No, we're not going to decide that she was being mean. Talk to me about what actually happened. You know, sometimes we're pretty convinced though, aren't we, that someone else is being mean. And so I want to give you a couple of examples of times in our lives where a child has been, quote, being mean, But really, that wasn't their original intent. So a couple of these examples, one, um, my one of my older sons, James, when he was young, he was about four or five years old when his brother Joseph was born. And James absolutely loved him. He loved snuggling him and holding him. And the problem was, though, that James really didn't understand how to fully express the immense amount of affection that he was feeling for his brother. And a lot of times we would find him laying on top of the baby, sitting on the baby, squishing the baby, 
pushing on the baby so much that uh, Joseph was actually in pain. In fact, one time James was trying to play with him right after Joseph had just learned to walk. And James used a pillow and basically just batted him down the front hall stairs. Now, thankfully, it was a half flight of stairs. But nevertheless, the immediate assumption is that he's just the child. He's being mean. However, the reality is James was so smitten with his brother. He thought he was just wonderful and wanted to spend time with him, wanted to be affectionate and had such intense emotion. He wasn't really sure how to share it in a loving way. Thankfully, James isn't still trying to kill Joseph (laughs) with his affections. Uh, He's figured that out. But can you see how we can we can assign meanness to something that really isn't there and yet from one perspective can be it can be so so convincing another situation that gets at the heart of this matter is similar my son Jonathan when he kind of hit puberty and started growing a lot taller than the rest of his siblings he still wanted to play with his youngest brother, Justin, in the same way that he had been all of his life. The problem with this is that if he used the same feeling of force now that he was twice the size, he really would cause harm to his brother. And so his attempts at roughhousing and playing around with him frequently became problems because Justin was just getting hurt every time. And Justin would come in and scream, he's being mean, mom. But most of the time, Jonathan wasn't setting out to be mean. He was actually setting out to entertain him, help him have a good time, interact with him, show him some brotherly love. And simply by applying the same feeling of force that he always had, because his body had grown and he was so much bigger and stronger at the time, he was just, he, Justin was getting hurt. So these are two good examples of how someone can, from one perspective, be seen as being mean, while from another perspective, actually the real intent is to show love. So to review kindness key number one, declaring that they're being mean is assigning motive. And so we want to talk about what they did, not what you think they were thinking when they did it. Make sense? This is a great way to help our kids learn kindness in relationships. Let's talk about situation number two, though, because this isn't so much about between kids and kids. This is about parents interacting with kids. So I'll just give a disclaimer that I do have permission for my son to talk about these incidents because they are some doozies. I tell you, when Jefferson was younger, I was really sure that both of us were not going to make it to alive out of his childhood years. One of us was going to die. He was quite the disaster of a little one. In fact, If you've heard my intro about a kid sitting in paint, he's the one that I tell that story about 
that one time in a nap during a nap time, uh, my sister was babysitting him and he got into an open gallon of paint. It's totally my fault for not putting the lid on all the way thoroughly with lock and key and in a safe. <laughs> but he got into this almost full gallon of white paint, dumped it all over the floor in his room and was sitting in it when she found him playing in the white paint. And as she, she picked him up, put him in the bathtub, was cleaning up the paint, um, paused to go take care of him, got him all cleaned up out of the bathtub and set him in the living room. And while she went back to clean up the paint, he toddled around and found a bottle of a full bottle of baby shampoo and dumped it all over the carpet. When she discovered what he had done, of course, she still had paint to clean up. Now she had shampoo to clean up. So she put him in a place where she thought he would be safe again. She went to work on those things. And when she came back to check on him, he was almost about to dump out an entire bottle of mop solution. Jefferson has had all kinds of mishaps as he's been growing up. Just kind of your little mad little scientist experiments. He liked to see what things he could flush down the toilet. What was the largest thing that would go down the toilet? Do you know what happens when you wonder what the largest thing is that can go down the toilet? You guessed it. You find out what the thing is that's too large. <laughs> and it wasn't long before we were, we had pulled the toilet, turned it upside down, put it in a bath full of hot soapy water and plunged it backwards to get the toy out from all of the pipes. He experimented with centrifugal force with the flour container in our kitchen and put five pounds of flour all over every surface imaginable. He would not go to sleep at night for anything. And anytime he was in the kitchen, whether it was cooking or cleaning, somehow things ended up messier than when they started. Anytime we have a child that is experimental like this, creative, likes to try new things without necessarily fully thinking of the consequences, I think as parents, it can be very easy to say things like, oh my goodness, he's determined to make my life miserable. He's just a troublemaker. He knows exactly what he's doing and, or he's just being a deceitful, liar, messy, undisciplined child. I think his love language is tearing things up. You obviously haven't been strict enough with his discipline and that's where judgment gets in place where other people look on and see how frustrated we are and see some of the mistakes that he's made and start making judgments like, okay, now it's about my parenting or my lack of parenting or I'm being too spoiled with him or um, I'm not doing it correctly because if I were doing it correctly, if I was parenting correctly, he would not be having these kinds of struggles. He would be more disciplined. He would be more responsible we start to make up these beliefs. So kindness key number two to really counteract this is to believe the best of others, to believe the best of others. One way we can do this is to get curious. I wonder what he could be thinking when he decides that that's a good idea. 
and get really curious about it. Now, this is not always easy to do if you are in the middle of, say, the fifth or sixth disaster of the day to get curious. And certainly responsibility is important to clean up the mess, explain how he needs to be thinking. But what if he really is trying his best? It's hard to believe that sometimes when we're cleaning up the fifth or sixth mess, but I try my best and fail and make mistakes and hurt others and realize it and realize the devastating consequences and feel sorry for it and then turn around and make the same mistake again. Do you? Do you ever feel that way? Like you notice how badly you failed at something? Determine that you're going to do something completely different and then turn right back around and fail again? Well, what if we cut some slack for the people in our lives that we look on and we say, oh, they just don't want to bad enough or they just, no matter what they do, they just can't seem to get it right. What if they really are trying their best? Another question you can ask is, what else could be the story here? I definitely have good intentions sometimes and create disasters accidentally. Have you ever accidentally created a disaster when you didn't mean to? I know all of us, to some degree or other, have had good intentions and things didn't turn out like we hoped they would. It's kindness to extend that same kind of grace to our children and to other people in our lives who we find exasperating because they're dealing with things that we could have fixed by now if we were the one doing it, or that's what we say. It's kindness, you know, to recognize the difference between mischief and curiosity. It doesn't mean that he never has consequences, but it was easier to continue to want to let Jefferson try again when I realized that I could choose to believe the best instead of wanting to lock him in an indestructible cage forever. By the way, all his curiosity is paying off. Now he repairs small engines, improvises all kinds of cooking, creativity in the kitchen, builds interesting things, has an incredibly creative mind. And while he does still make the occasional mess, he's also much better about cleaning it up. So I'm really glad that I didn't squash that creativity and imagination out of him when he was young. So kindness is not saying that someone's being mean. It's deciding what specific action was a problem. And kindness is believing the best of others, getting curious about what's going on and why they might be doing what they're doing with the best of intentions. Now, situation number three is the annoying spouse. I'm going to share a little bit, a window into my world of marriage about assuming judgment. Things like when I would think he's pointing out, I stink at doing the laundry. He can't just get up and eat. He's got to make it really obvious that I haven't cleaned up the kitchen yet. Or saying something like, he isn't responding to what I just told him, which means he doesn't actually care about what I said. Have you ever thought these types of things about a loved one, a spouse, an extended family member, assuming that they are making a comment or not making comments based on 
what they are judging about you. Well, I was pretty bad about this, especially when we first got married and even several years into our marriage. And I tell you, when I got tired at night, they would come out. I would be believing things about his motives. And one night, Brandon had finally had it. He was so frustrated with me accusing him of his of negative motives that he went to go sleep on the couch just so he could get away of my accusations. But you know what? I wasn't having it. I decided that his attempt to sleep on the couch was his way of avoiding truth, that he just couldn't admit how he was wrong. And so I marched down there to tell him. Brandon is not an angry man, but that evening, well, early morning, it was probably one or two o'clock in the morning. He finally got tired of my accusations and let me know very clearly that all of my accusations were based on judgments in my head that I had made up. He really did look at me in the face and say, this is all in your head. It's all in your head. You're making this up. Well, I don't know how many of you have spouses that have tried to tell you that you're ma- everything is made up in your head, but I did not like hearing that at the time. It did not go over well. I thought he was basically calling me a crazy person. And you know what, though? He was right. The accusations that I was making were all in my head. I was making them up because I had assigned this negative motive and intention to the things I was accusing him of that just weren't true. So kindness key number three is when in doubt, just ask. One way that we've learned to incorporate this into our marriage is by saying something like the story that I'm making up right now is that you went to do the dishes to point out to me that I had been sitting around all morning, allowing the house to turn into a disaster. Is that true? So it gives me a way to express the story that I have in my head while also acknowledging that it is a made up story. And it gives him a chance to say, yes, that's an accurate story or no, it isn't. Here's the actual, here is the reality. Here is the story. And of course, when I have used that story, because that's a real life example that I would make up that he came down to do the dishes simply to point out that I had been lazy that morning. His story would sound like, uh, no, I'm, I'm not upset that you've been sitting around all morning. I just don't want to make my breakfast in a dirty kitchen. So I'm okay to clean it up first. It had no judgment around whether I should have done it already. It wasn't making a statement about my abilities as a mom I would do the same thing over and over again with the laundry too. He would go down to the laundry room and fold laundry. And I would make up that it was his subtle backhanded way of proving to me that I was inadequate as a housekeeper. When in actuality, he just wanted some clean clothes. He was happy to go down there and fold himself. He knows that I don't like the laundry. And so he was willing to fold a little bit more in the service to our family than than just his own stuff. How often do we make up a story that is so obviously isn't true? We have all this past evidence that it's true, 
And so we convince ourselves that that must be true this time. But in reality, all that past evidence usually is also stories we've made up. So we justify ourselves and decide that we have evidence and a case that we've built to be able to accurately assume their motives this time. But the truth is, nope. A lot of times, those are stories that we've made up over and over again. And so I encourage you to consider just if you're in doubt, ask. Ask if it's true. If you notice yourself making up a story, it's better to ask. And then even more importantly, the hardest part is you have to believe their answer. Listen, do you want them to believe your answers when you tell them your motives? Well, if you want them to believe you, then let's flip flip it over and recognize that if we want them to believe us, we get to believe them and their answers, even when it looks completely otherwise. And by the way, if you're telling yourself a story that you're going to believe them, but you know they're making it up, that's a story too about manipulation. It's a story about not being able to trust what the other person says. And that's not a story you have to hang on to either. So kindness in relationships and kindness during conflict. These are some kindness concepts that help every person involved because it allows truth to be told as best we can. So how do we tell the truth as best we can? Well, we don't say they were being mean. We say what they did that was the problem. We believe the best of others. And when in doubt about motives, we just ask. We get curious about what the truth really is. And if we want to communicate the story, we acknowledge that the story that I'm making up right now is so that they have an opportunity to tell a different story. So those are my three tips today about kindness and relationships and some fun stories from my own personal life about how we have incorporated different ways of getting to the bottom of the truth to be able to love others well. Which one resonates with you the most today? What one thing will you take home and apply in your attempts to be kind or teach kindness to your family? I can't wait to hear from you. Hope you have a great week. I'll talk to you later. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the spirit, please subscribe. You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?